Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me at Old Trafford, Jared Kimber. We've both witnessed something that no child on this planet has seen. Australia retaining the ashes uh, with a comfortable victory in the end over England here. Big questions to be asked. We'll have none of the answers that you require, but it should be interesting as we look back on England losing the fourth test to Australia by if memory serves, 185 runs. So, Jared, I'm fresh from the uh, Joe Root press conference, and you know what? If he could uh, be as uh, defensive uh, with bat in hand, then England would have batted out the draw. Did he step down as captain? No, he didn't. But he was uh, obviously very happy with the effort shown and application shown by uh, England. It's just a shame that they can never do it in first innings. Anyway, congratulations, Australia. Yeah, I thought I played a good series. Uh, You know, put my head down. I mean, I relied on the bowlers a lot and obviously Steve Smith. But, uh, you know, I did what I could. You know, the boys, uh, just good effort all around, really. I hope, unlike uh, your uh, Australian autopsy, you are going to hang around for the fifth test match. It will. Uh, you're not going to tell your uh, your readers at Wisdom.com that you're not. They're not going to. Fi- you're not going to file at the end of each day's play. Hey, Usman Khawaja may come back and play his last ever test. You never know. That would be neat. Another great 37 from him. Uh, no, I'll be there. I, I was at the last test in Sydney. It's just the story was gone. I mean, this does feel like a very similar series to 10-11, actually, where realistically, well, actually, actually, to be fair, I think England were much better than Australia, but in this case, England are marginally better than Australia as uh, the loudest cover, <laughs> the loudest hovercraft of all time uh, warms up below us. But, but yeah, I, I think in this case, again, the, best, the better team has, has got the urn. Um, and realistically, Australia should probably go on and win this 3-1, which is what the what the uh, the difference was there. I don't think England were as bad as Australia were in 10-11, but it's a similar series in some ways. 
it's remained close because of Ben Stokes, really. And uh, realistically, um, I think that's, uh, that's the only thing that's kept England in. And if you have to rely on a, you know, a once in every 630 test match um, innings in order to uh, uh, win a test, you're probably not as good as your opposition. So let's look at this test match then. We're going to forego the uh, the usual setup for the following on podcast uh, for every preview and review day. Um, it, it was left late, but at no point did I or you, I imagine, ever think that England were ever going to get close to saving this test match. I mean, there was a point when Overton was middling everything where you at least thought he could hold up one end, didn't you? That, you know, I mean... This could be his last test. His bowling doesn't quite look quite up to test standard. He's a handy batsman, but I you know England have a million handy batsmen as it is. Um, I was I was really impressed with what he did, but you, you got the feeling at the other end that Leach was just not going to be able to stick around. The fact that it was Marnus coming around the wicket at the foot marks was incredible. But yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I I did think Australia batted on a bit long. I thought, having watched Matthew Wade bat yesterday, and you have to discount um, Steve Smith because he's not human, but having watched Matthew Wade bat, I was like, well, anything over 350 is more than enough. So they batted on maybe a little bit longer than they needed to, um, and, and, and in the end they maybe made it a little bit more um, nippy-bum than they needed, it needed to be. But, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Um, it would have been a, a miscarriage if England had somehow got over the line. But, but weirdly, I think the pitch almost played up more with... Um, with bounce yesterday than it did today at times. So the pitch held up for them. And, uh, you know, guys like Roy, Denley, Butler, you've got to admire the fact that they did actually try and bat as long as, as they could. And in real, in real terms, I'm not sure any of the three of them could have batted much longer than they did. Yeah, I would agree with that. You'd have to look back at the dismissals. None of them were particularly poor shots. I mean, Joss Butler's non-shot, he'll probably regret, but even he stuck around for 111 deliveries. But, I mean, that was an incredible ball. You, you might say that on day five, um, leaving a ball like that when things can, when the pitch can do slight things, although that was more, more reverse, is, is a bit weird. But realistically, you know, it's like Denley. Denley played a terrible sweep shot that he should have been caught off, a ugly, stupid swipe that he should have been caught off. He almost ran himself out, but eventually he went out to a ball that pretty much everyone in world cricket would have been out to. Yeah, you're right, actually. But this is the folly of using a scorebook or kind of uh, this kind of... I mean, I don't know how to probably describe it, but essentially, by looking at the scorebook, Joe Denley top scored, right? He hit a half century, okay? So that means he plays in the next test match, doesn't it? But anybody... Well, this is the point (laughs) I'm making. But that is the school of thought, and that's the school of thought that got him here in the first place because we watched him play in the West Indies. He should have been out cheaply in all four innings. He was given lives in all four innings. He was out cheaply anyway in three of them, but crucially, he hit a half century in the last over and in the last uh, test match. That got him a place in the team. And England have got to move away from that, don't they? Well, I, this is the thing. He, in this series, uh, well, in this test, if you go on the fact he made a half century, do you not also have to go on the fact that he made four in the first innings um, and that he averaged 28 in this test? The average is barely, what, 24, 25, I think, in test cricket. There's a certain point where we've seen enough. He hasn't been able to move on from that mid-20s average. You know, making a 50, even in and, and the last two 50s have been in trying circumstances, but both times there have been times where I've been like, this is when he started sweeping, and they had a short mid-wicket, a short fine leg, a deep forward square and a deep backward square. It was like, 
do you want to go out? Why are you sweeping when you're trying to draw a test match? And you know, those, Because he doesn't have the defensive technique, does he? Which is the point, then, if that's the case, he shouldn't be in the team. And look, you, f- you feel unlucky. It's not his fault. No. Do you know what I mean? This, he's done everything he can. I'd say he's probably overachieved. I think you're right. He's done everything he, he can to get to this point. But there's a certain point where it's quite clear he is not a test-quality batsman. And, and they've given him his chance, although they've stuffed him around with where he bats in the order. They have given him his chance. It hasn't worked. That 50 did nothing for I me. Mean, I, I said after Leeds that I didn't think he should be picked again after that 50. But that 50 there did nothing for me. did not change any my mind on whether he could bat or not. But you knew, or I knew, he would get picked again. I... I, I don't know where this English side is going, but the old Trevor Bayliss, I'd rather give a player one too many games than one too few, I'm starting to think is actually a mistake. I know that it's easy to say you don't want to go back to the 90s when you'd have 50 players representing England every Ashes, but there's got to be a happy medium. Essentially, you've got to be able to use common sense and watch a player, and I think if you'd watch Denley bat in the first couple of test matches, maybe the first three, you'd realise... At the very highest level, and this is a very highest level, he doesn't cut it. Hiding behind the fact that he top scored or got a couple of 50s isn't really good enough. But do you know what? I'm not going to bet that he is in that side. But because of the short turnaround between these two te- these, this test match, the fourth and fifth, the squad is announced on Monday... I mean, it doesn't leave them a great deal of time to scour the country and to call up all the coaches. Um, he could be back in the side. Yeah, and he probably will be. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be very weird for them to drop a guy who's made 50 a couple of days ago. Um, you know, it, there's something about, t- you know, there's a certain point where you can drop a guy if there's a week in a, in, involved. Uh, but realistically, yeah, uh, I, like, I like the idea of playing someone a, a test too many rather than a test too few because in, in cricket you don't actually, it's not like baseball. And when does anyone ever use that test too many? I mean... Uh, just off the top of your head, can you think of a player who was under lots of scrutiny? Um, everybody was saying drop. He was given that test too many and he made it count. I think you're right. But I suppose what I was going to say is that if you look at baseball and basketball and the sports where you have to play a lot. So, you know, 82 games a year, 164 games a year, whatever it is in baseball. Um, they, those players get a long time. We get to look at them a lot. Cricket doesn't allow for that because of the kind of sport it is. You know, even first, even counter cricket, you play for 14, 16 games a year in, in England. And most teams don't even do that. So I like the fact that you're giving a player an extra chance. But there is a certain point where they actually... What I, what I look at more than runs at a certain point is uh, how, how much of that time they look like they're, they're playing false shots. So you can make an 80, but uh, be in, not in control for most of the innings. Or you can play an 80, but quite clearly you're really good against pace. You're never going to make a run against him. There's a certain point where you have enough information to make a, a judge a, a good decision. I think Denley is certainly at that point. Um, it, to be fair, Roy might not be just because he hasn't stuck around enough but but realistically I think with Denley you're more than enough so I, I've got no problem with that I think if you're going to make him if you're going to make informed decisions about round selection you, you know the, the idea even if it's a nonsense saying and it doesn't really mean anything the idea is saying we're going to train for one more but it's only batsmen they really mean that for they don't mean that for bowlers do they but bowlers you, you bowl one bad spell we never see you again Chris who anyway enough of Joe Denley let's talk about the big story Australia retaining the Ashes, two went up with one to play and and credit to them. I mean, 
I think I said to you at the end of day two at Edgbaston, that was pretty much the day. And I tipped Australia to win. You did too. Uh, but it was day two at Edgbaston that I realised just what a task awaited England. Um, a really poor first inning score in Australia, as we know, were on the rack until Steve Smith did what Steve Smith does with Peter Siddle alongside him. And England, you know, they batted marvellously well, but Australia never let them go. And fast forward to however many days on we are from day two at Edgbaston. But, uh, you know, you've seen an England side that have batted for over 200 overs in this test match. That's not bad. That's not bad going at all. They've averaged about two and a half runs and over. And on no account or at no stage have they ever been allowed to get away um, to get away from Australia. Australia's bowling in this series has been... Almost as impressive as Steve Smith's batting. The only difference is that they've had three bowlers doing what... To, to three bowlers, whereas Australia have only got one Steve Smith and Amanus Labuschagne. Sounds like a, a song around Christmas. But that in itself brings a direct comparison with what England have brought to the party. Because, yes, with new ball against left-handers, Stuart Broad has performed just as well um, and has been brilliant as well, leading wicket-taker in the series for England. And Joffre Archer has excited us on, in ways and on levels that I can't remember an England bowler doing so for many a year. But aside from that, there have been periods in the game, mostly when bat, uh, bowling to Steve Smith, but also Matthew Wade, of course, hit a century. Travis Head has, has made runs. Uh, David Warner. That partnership with Labuschagne at uh, Headingley could have actually been the difference between the two sides. And there have been times when England have been expensive. Australia must have been going at about three and a half and there hasn't been the quality consistently for England as it has been for Australia. So brilliant for Australia. And you know what? They've done it again, haven't they? They've done exactly what they did in 2017-18. And England have made exactly the same mistakes from 2017-18. The mistakes England make, well, they didn't bring a totally fit and firing team uh, because, of course, Stokes didn't play. OK, you can't really blame them for that. A very samey-looking bowling attack. Um, and Australia... That first test match, remember, the first time ever that Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark are bowled in the same team. Fast forward to 2019, and they have made sure all of their fast bowlers are fit. And of course, England were missing Mark Wood, Ollie Stone to a degree, and also Jimmy Anderson. Um, but brilliant stuff from Australia. You cannot take it away from them. Yeah, I think you, England basically spent four years preparing for the World Cup. And Australia basically spent eh, three years preparing for the Ashes. And in both cases, it's kind of paid off, hasn't it? And it makes sense. And not everything Australia has done has worked. The, the whole Peter Siddle experiment uh, didn't work. Now, I think he bowled quite well, but he didn't take any wickets. Um, you did see a few go down, though. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not blaming him, but I'm saying that, that, you know, they picked Peter Siddle over Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark. Yeah, but, but hang on, you know, in yesterday's show or maybe the day before... You know, you uh, alluded to the fact that that decision actually focused the mind of Josh Hazelwood to the point that he will never, ever go back to the Josh Hazelwood. That did get dropped for that first test. Which is fine, but how many teams in the world would have dropped the two bowlers of that quality? Not one, but two bowlers of that quality, right? So that that is a huge call to begin with. Um you know, also, you know, Pattinson um, playing ahead of, of them, at, uh, ahead of Stark at times as well. You know, Pattinson hasn't taken many wickets. I think he's only taken five wickets in this series so far. Uh, uh, Siddle didn't take many wickets either. Uh, you know, they 
probably, I thought Marner should have played from the first test. Uh, he didn't. And then obviously he's come in and been quite good. Still not 100% sold on him, but I certainly think that, look at this batting lineup, he's in the best six players. Uh, you know, they, they continued with Payne, even though the fact that Payne was, has been in a long, long form dr- droughts and, um, you know, still doesn't seem to make a lot of runs, but hangs around. They, they did a lot of things that didn't quite come off and kind of came off. Uh, and you've got to respect that. And they weren't the most obvious things to do. The most obvious things to do would have been Stark, um, Hazelwood and uh, Cummins for that first test. And yet, you know, we've never seen that bowling attack until this test. Um, it, I, I just think that, you know, that they've done a lot right from the bowling. With the batting, you'd have to say that even though Wade made 100 in the first test, maybe he hasn't quite paid off. But again, in this test... That he only made 30-odd yesterday, but it was the 30-odd that allowed Smith to, to set the total. Yeah, and also, like if you were to say that Butler had scored a century in one of the test matches, or maybe Bearstow, then one of those test matches might have changed. Definitely. If one of those players had scored a century in this test match, England draw. Yeah, and, and Head is uh, you know, being figured out right in front of us. Um, some, of, some of us figured him out before, but it takes a while for the rest of the test cricket to catch up to me sometimes. John. Why are you looking at me? And you're touching me again. I like touching you. Um, so, you know, it's not a perfect team, but they thought about this and the Dukes balls and, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the Australia A team and Australia B team and Australian 11 team, they've all been over here. Some of them, you know, are, are now as qualified to play for England as Joffre is. You know, they've been over here so much um, over the last couple of years and, 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 you know, the planning and the thinking behind that. And we're talking about previous coaching regime and previous captain. You know, this, is, this goes back a long way. And I think that even the things that they didn't get right, They've worked it out, and they've. I think at times they've outdefended England, you know, with the bat. And you know, I I think I've been really impressed. Joffre and Broad have been really good. Uh, Wokes bowled that really good spell at Edge Baston has looked tired since. Um, Leach hasn't bowled poorly, I don't think. Mm. I, I think Leach has um, troubled Smith more than any other bowler. Yeah, and and Stokes has bowled some really. I know he hasn't taken a lot of wickets, but he's bowled some incredible spells at times. So it's not you know their batting has had to to you know and obviously if you take Smith out of that it's completely different. But even the fact that it is a poor batting lineup and a lot of these batsmen have managed to stand up does does say something. So it's really incredible. So over the last five years, um, teams win twenty eight percent of the Test matches when when they travel away from home. Um, you know, to win any series away from home, especially the longer ones where things can go wrong, um, and something did go wrong. Stokes basically stole the test match off them. Um, they should be, you know, uh, if, if this series was played a bunch of times and Anderson got injured every, in every one of them, um, they should be 3-0 up at this time. Um, and so you, you, I've really got to respect lots of things there, and, and I think they've done really, really well. And... and um, it's one of the few things over the last couple of years. I think a lot of the problems with Australian cricket go back to, to we think that we're better than everyone else and we keep playing cricket the same way because we... we well, that's, uh, I think that's a stick you could probably hit England with as well. Yeah, p- perhaps. But I think with Australia, they have been better than everyone else. But what they don't often do is the little things that you need to do to get that to, to, to in, in order to win. In this series, they are not a perfect 11, and yet they have done almost everything they've needed to do to beat England. And uh, you've, you've got to respect that. And look, they've got a captain that they probably don't want. Um, they've got a weak batting lineup. Nathan Lyon hasn't bowled as well as he could have in this series either. Um, and yet, here we are. They've already retained the Ashes. Chances are they'll win 3-1, or at the very least, you know, hope, hope for it, a draw at, at the Oval. Um, it's it's it, for me. I wish they'd done this kind of preparation for the World Cup, 
as well. And I wish they'd tr do it the next time they play a World T20. But unfortunately, they do it for the Ashes, and we haven't seen the same from them in other series. How much credit should Justin Langer get for this? Well, I think it started before Justin Langer, to be fair. Um, so he can't, you know, I don't think he can claim this as a, as, as a Ashes victory any more than when he lost the World Cup, he could, you know, he could be blamed for that because I don't think that was his fault either. But he certainly played a part in it. And, you know, of recent times, I think I'm, I'm going to go back to the Hazelwood decision to not play Hazelwood over Siddle, um, I think shows that for the first time ever, they're really... They're trusting their brain as much as their Australianness, if, if that makes sense. So Langer has to play a part in that. And, and also, he's got to build up someone like Payne. You know, Payne keeps talking about the fact he was almost, you know, a kookaburra rep. <laughs> um, you, you know, to, to be able to build him up and keep him up when he's even not making runs, I think Langer has to get um, some of that. But realistically, it's probably people like Pat Howard. Um, and, and some of the others who are involved, uh, le the lesser known, uh, someone like Dean Hills, the analyst, who really sat down and looked at uh, what Australia needed to do over, you know, to win the next Ashes. And the fact that Australia has Duke's balls has helped them this time. Let's hear from the, the captains, uh, Tim Payne and Joe Root, because you know what section of the show is still going to be part of following on today. First up, it's the embattled Joe Root. Yeah, tough to take. Um, I thought we fought brilliantly today. I thought everyone that went, went out there gave absolutely everything. Uh, showed a lot of character, a lot of resilience. I think as a captain and a, as other players around the group, you learn a lot about the guys that you're in the trenches with. And you know, everyone stood up today and, and put, in a, put in a real shift, a good performance, and, and showed how much it meant for them to play for their country. And now, as we discuss off-air whether embattled is the right word to have used, is... Uh, Tim Payne. Well, it means we take the urn home. That's that's the best thing. Um, but yeah, we're we're obviously very very excited. Um, we've put in a lot of work, a lot of planning for this over you know probably a couple of years, even before we got here. So um, when you're coming here, is is very difficult to win. And England are a great side, particularly in their home conditions. So to come over and um, be able to retain the Ashes is is awesome. Uh, but as I said to the boys, we we've come here to win them, and um, we'll enjoy tonight together as we should. And um, then we'll switch our focus on to um, winning the Ashes 3-1. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. 
If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. A few laughs today for, uh, for England fans, but one did make me laugh. Sitting here uh, on the third floor of the, uh, of the stand, we're just above the Australian dressing room. And so essentially... I get to see the Aussies run in and out, and I can also hear them mucking around when uh, things are getting lively. Cameron Bancroft, running off the field earlier, paused to look up as he ran off, looking up at his teammates and promptly fell on his face, uh, tripped over the Specsaver sign. That was a, a lull moment of the day. And also, that LBW review for Craig Overton, given out on field, despite the fact he smashed it onto his pads. And he smashed the ball onto his pads and was still hit outside the line. Every single one of this crowd and all 22 players, whether on the field or off, and the two umpires knew that he, uh, the decision was going to be overturned. And yet it took so long to get it uh, done. It actually started to get to the point where we thought that uh, the third umpire might take us all the way up to seven o'clock, uh, declare him not out, and then they'd call the game off. Yeah, um, I, I thought... Um one of the funnier things was when England started time-wasting, um, which ev- it made the whole press box laugh. And also because it took us all to back to Bilal Shafiat doing it in the 2009 Ashes. Um, uh, so, I, I, I mean, that was good fun, wasn't it? Also, uh, the, the other one is the, when the Australian fans suddenly decided that Johnny Besto had um, uh, looked at the change room before calling for a review. Uh, because uh, basically because of the camera angles of the TV, to be fair, I'm not blaming them, but that sudden desperation for, what? no, they are the cheats. They are the ones who are cheating. And of course, uh, I happen to be watching it. It was, it was actually quite a funny moment. Bairstow got hit in the pad. The, it, it's ball trickled out, so it was an easy run. So, so Butler ran down. Obviously, Bairstow looked up. The umpire had given him out, so he didn't run. So it meant the Butler was next to him. But the funny, the really funny moment there was the way that Butler ran past Bairstow as if to go, "I don't want to be involved. I know what you're going to ask me." He sort of, he sort of got as far away from Bairstow as he could, and then he realised, oh, "I can't, I can't run far enough away." So it was actually Bairstow wasn't looking at the change room before the review. He was looking at Butler, who was behind him at the time. But um, yeah, no, it has been. I, I do find it quite funny when this. Let's call them the saltier fans on Twitter. When when they're always looking for that thing that makes the other side worse, whether it be on the field, off the field, whether it be morally, um, it, it's really it, it does make me laugh a little bit. Especially on it, you know, there's a certain point where. Uh, I mean, it might be different for you and Guy trapped in here in your cocoon. Guy feels trapped at times. Uh, but for the for the rest of us, there was a certain, when when the when the time wasting happened, everyone kind of in the press box who, who are more independent. I, there were, I promise you today, there were English journalists um, cheering for England to lose, and there were English journalists, uh, sorry, Australian journalists cheering for England to win because everyone's cheering either their story or the angle or what's going to happen next week. So a bit more independent, but just it is legitimately funny watching. Um, 
you know, there was one point Overton got hit and he sort of called for the physio and um, um, Maria Erasmus, who's in those sort of situations, the world's best umpire, best umpire, turned around to the physio, just held his hand out and said, no, get on with the game. Uh, it, it, it was good fun. In fact, that last session, it's a shame it didn't get a little bit closer because it was really starting to get um, entertaining. But it was, you know, again... Um, just another great, you know, we we had the we've had two we had the draw and lords. We've had this one playing for a draw, and we've had some 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 of the best funds with draws in this series. I don't think it's quite going to because Australia won this test. It's not quite going to be the 2005 that we that we wanted. But England could still draw the series to all, um, and that would be funny. Okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, moment of the day I, well, is obvious. It's Australia winning, but let's cast our minds forward couple of years um we've heard from both Tim Payne and Joe Root earlier in the piece we've spoken about both as well do you think both of those will be captaining their countries the next time the Ashes is is played for um, no. no I don't mean the Oval no, no. Good, good chat I mean no uh, but I mean Tim Payne won't be for the next Ashes he will not be captain for the next Ashes I I, I, just, I can't believe that that but he'll, he'll probably get through this summer because it's New Zealand and Pakistan he won't be he won't be captain for the next Ashes. I can't see how it's possible. And as we currently stand here, we are standing, so I haven't made that bit up. We are, we we don't sit. We're not sitters. We're we're fit men. Um, I don't know why this this part is now going on so long. But um, as we currently stand here, as I said, uh, Joe Root uh, should will probably not be captaining the next Ashes. Although if I was going to put money on either man, I'd bet on him. Um, being more likely to captain than Payne, even though he could actually be finished captaining at the end of the over, whereas Payne will still be. If and when both step aside, who takes over? I mean, that's that part of the reason why they're both a chance to continue is there's no... Ob- I mean, Travis Head has been groomed as, a, as a, an Australian captain right at the moment. Um, and I really like Travis Head as a cricketer, and he's still young and got a lot to learn. And But right at the moment... I'm not. I'm not so worried about him captaining Australia. I'm worried about him playing the the, the full ball at the stumps. Um, for England, um, <laughs> Rory Burns, Ben Stokes, maybe. But geez, it'd be a big big call to give it to Rory Burns when he's averaging thirty. And Ben Stokes is he not getting asked to do enough as it is? Uh, it, it's huge. If there were more obvious um, players in either side, I I think um, Payne might even. Might, not, might even possibly be gone by the next home series. And I think Root would be stepping down. But because there isn't, I could see both of them hanging on for a little while. I just can't see them hanging on for long enough. What were you doing the exact moment Australia won the 2001 Ashes? I would have been watching it at, back home in Melbourne. Um, I would have been watching it on my parents' sofa. Or I might have been on one of their armchairs, depending on what time it was. And my, I can't remember what time that, that the Ashes were won and whether my mother had gone to bed <laughs> at that point. But yeah, it's, um, I remember, so I came into cricket writing for, basically the first Ashes I covered was 2009. This is my seventh or eighth. Um, I can't, we played so many. We played two in one year. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and I, and I saw Australia lose a lot. And you do, and also in my job, so I work for Crick Info. I don't work for a partisan uh, publisher um, and on top of that I was the global writer so it's my job to be even more independent at the independent place and I remember thinking that it didn't matter to me that much if Australia won or lost and then 2013-14 Ashes when they actually t- won the test at, um, at, at the WACA just the I, I remember 
the, the fan of me came out. And I remember literally, and it's very rarely I've ever done this, I stopped working and I went out and, and sat on the hill at the Wacker and watched Australia win. It wasn't quite as much uh, with that today. Probably Maybe because as much as I like retaining the Ashes, I think I'll get that feeling when they win. You know, they haven't won the series yet. And I'm still waiting for that. But again, today, just watching it, you know, I, you know, I felt a bit... When, when that final wicket went, I felt like a fan again. And you, the, the funny thing about being a cricket journalist is you quite often feel like a fan of cricket, but you, but you do get to a point where you feel less like a fan of your team at times. Um, and it's usually, you know, if, uh, 2015 World Cup was another one for me. That, um, uh, the Australian, when Harman Preet Kaur smashed the Australian women in the semi-final of the World Cup, those are times I was like, oh, I am Australian. And it does annoy me when they lose <laughs> or win. Brilliant stuff. Well, I'll leave it there. Uh, you should always leave with the winners, and Australia are the winners, and uh, and rightly so, as we've made mention. I think, uh, and I hope that you listen and enjoy, but also feel that we bring a fair reflection on uh, all the action and the stories that come from the field of play. Um, we will be back, a preview uh, to the fifth test, which takes place at the Oval on Thursday, and um, uh, you've got a barbecue on Tuesday, so maybe we'll record it there. Back to South East London, where we both belong these days, uh, as I always have done, actually. Um, well, Southwest. Um, but yeah, you'll be listening to the following on podcast as this show once again goes down a rabbit hole I'm not sure how to get out of. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Even if you're an England fan, still wiping away the tears after Australia beat England at Old Trafford by 185 runs to retain the Ashes, not win it. Subscribe and review on iTunes or Acast. You're listening to following on. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.